Howdy. I'm Kate Cavanaugh, and you're listening to The Groundwork Podcast. This begins an exploration of connectedness, looking at our own nature through the lens of nature. Mind, body, and soil. to start this podcast with a little story about fat. And I think that this topic merits a deep dive. And I think we'll have to do a a solo episode that just kind of goes into the vilification of fat and how we got here. But I wanted to give you a little a little overview. In the late 1960s, there was a researcher named Ansel Keys. And he conducted a study called the Seven Countries Study that was largely cited in all of the the magazine articles that would come out about cholesterol in the late 60s and early 70s. And you can look up these Time magazine articles where, you know, there's two eggs and a frowny face of bacon and it's about cholesterol and and this cover with Ansel Keys on it. And what Ansel Keys had done was he was really plotting heart disease against dietary fat consumption, in particular saturated fat consumption, in various different countries. And what later came out is that a lot of this data was cherry-picked and a lot of the research was pretty faulty. And this is really outlined in The Case Against Sugar by Gary Taubes and The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholtz. I think it's really only been in the last couple of years that we've made a return to being less afraid of dietary fat, in particular saturated fats that are found in animal products, whether that is eggs or bacon or beef tallow, or ghee, which is going to be the topic of conversation today. And so as we make this return to eating really nourishing fats, one thing to keep in mind is that there are fat-soluble vitamins. So vitamins A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble and need fat as transport to get inside of our cells. Our hormones are built on fat. Our brains need fat. Our bodies need fat. And we use fat as fuel. And so a lot of this is just to give us a little reminder that fat has really been vilified and that fat doesn't make us fat and that that's a really important point. The other thing I want to mention before we dive into this podcast is setting values that guide your personal and professional life. And Africa Brooke has some really great work on this. I know that I mentioned this during the interview with Shelly Jesse, that when we have a value system that really guides the way that we do business and the way that we conduct and comport ourselves in everyday life, it's just It's really beautiful. And I think that the podcast that you're about to listen to, which is with Lynn Goodwin and Kim Welsh, who are the founders of Farm True Ghee, which is a beautiful 100% grass-fed ghee company based out of Connecticut. And you really get a glimpse into small business entrepreneurship. And the conversation that I had with Lynn and Kim, both during the podcast and for a little bit after... It is hard to run a business that is so deeply tied to uncompromising values. At Western Daughters, 
the butcher shop that I own with my husband in Denver, Colorado, we have struggled with this. So we've been in business for 10 years and we do 100% grass fed and grass finished beef and lamb and pasture raised pork and chicken. And there have been several times that we have been on the brink of closing. And a lot of it had to do with the cost of the goods that we were bringing in, that what we were paying farmers, which I think is actually still not enough, was so much and we couldn't marry it with what customers were willing to pay. And this this sort of gap formed and our business struggled. It's pretty basic business 101. And there were times when my husband and I would lay in bed and, and say, well, if we switch to corn fed, our business would be profitable overnight. But we just couldn't do it. And it's because those values to us that we were purchasing from local farmers with regenerative practices, with 100% grass-fed and 100% grass-finished beef and lamb, were so vitally important to us. And I think it's really important that we hear these stories in business So often we're just going into a store or we're purchasing a product online and we don't get to see their value system. We don't get to see the work that they're putting into their sourcing and the care that they're taking. When we look at products on the shelves, when we go into a Whole Foods or our local food co-op or wherever it is, And we look at the products on the shelves and we say, okay, well, this ghee says it's 100% grass-fed and this ghee also says it's 100% grass-fed and there's a significant price difference. Oftentimes, we opt for the more inexpensive version. And don't get me wrong, the cost of food is rising and it brings a lot of questions into play. And we're all struggling in our own ways to get by. But I think that when you get a chance to see these values, it changes your relationship to that product. When you get a chance to hear just how deep these two people, the founders of Farm True Ghee, how deep their relationship goes back to the land, back to their farmers, back to themselves, something greater than themselves, and just how hard they've worked to form this business that's really built around connection it changes your relationship to looking at the products on the shelves. And maybe maybe it'll invite in a little bit of curiosity about how certain businesses manage their, their value systems. And I think that's something that we should be more clear about as businesses. But it's a struggle. And so much of this conversation is also about what a struggle it is to communicate to your customers about your business because you're wearing so many hats or, or, you know, I know that at Western Daughters, we often struggle because it feels so complicated and we want to explain all of these aspects about the industrial food system. And you kind of have to understand those in order to understand why we're different. And so much gets lost in trying to, to hold all these pieces and parts and communicate. And I think that's where storytelling is such a beautiful format because storytelling allows us to just kind of let something unfold over time. It doesn't have to be an elevator pitch. It doesn't have to be two sentences on a website about a mission statement. It can really be a story about the people that 
form our business, that form these businesses, the people that are behind them, the real and very human and very beautiful individuals that are bringing our foods to our tables. This podcast with Len and Kim also really touched me because their ghee is actually one of the biggest sellers in our dry goods category at our butcher shop. And we've worked with them for almost four years to the day that I'm recording this. And so it was really a gift to get to sit down with them and talk about entrepreneurship. We talk a lot about spirituality. We talk about how to find connection and how to find your truth. We talk about teasing out the difference between passion, purpose, and dharma. We talk about ghee. We talk a lot about ghee and its many nutritive properties and its power to heal. We talk about the mind-body connection and how to bring awareness to that space and so much more. I think this is a podcast that you're really going to enjoy. And I know that at the end of the podcast, you are definitely going to want some Farm True products. And they have been generous enough to share a code with everybody. And so afterwards, I encourage everyone to hop on farmtrue.com and use the code Kate. CAV, that's K-A-T-E-K-A-V-15 for 15% off Farm True products. Thank you so much, everybody. You know, I, this isn't the first time that I've said this, but as you listen to this podcast, I just want you to get curious about what connects you and how you find connection in your life. Let's get started. I want to hear the end of the conversation around business because I think what we were saying, and I, and then I want you to introduce yourselves, but the I don't want to lose this thread. When you make what you're so passionate about your business, it becomes a really different animal altogether. And I think with Western Daughters, we have this, and I, I know you guys are the same at Farm True, we have this set of standards that's unwavering. And it it means something to my heart, to my soul, to my value system. And I just can't imagine doing it any other way. And, and so I think that makes it, it just makes you even more attached to the way that, and it changes the way you do business. Adds a whole nother layer of challenges because you're not willing to compromise and just go with the flow, whether it's price, um, what you pay your farmers or, you know, it's just, it, it adds up. It, has that whole layer of challenges that a lot of people don't don't have to deal with because maybe they're not in business and it's not for their passion, right? And so because it is our passion, we're unwilling to waver and sacrifice who we truly are. And it's an extension of who you are. So it's hard not to take things personal, right? Like they say, you shouldn't take things personally, but when it's like your heart and the and the reason why you started the business was from the heart, it's any little thing feels like a, it hits your soul. <laughs> yeah. It's a challenge. I also think that there's this distinction that I'm personally trying to make between passion and purpose. Mm-hmm. And so while, you know, sharing the wisdom of Ayurveda is my passion, I am constantly asking myself, what's my purpose? And they they don't necessarily have to be the same thing. And then, you know, that gets into a little more of, you know, finding your dharma. But like, I think that the passion can be really confusing when you're taking your passion and trying to make a business out of it, or also trying to make that your purpose. Some dissecting that needs to happen to have a clear path to be successful in both of those categories. 
Oh, I think that's so beautiful. And I, just as you were sitting there, I was trying to tease out where my passion and my purpose is within my own business. And I think that's such a great reflection. And I've never thought about really teasing those two things out because it's all become so intertwined and intertwined too with what you said, Lynn, with my own self-worth. And it took me, it took me years to kind of unravel myself from the business that I wasn't a reflection of a PL statement. Yeah. And I think that's definitely where we're at and really like trying to unravel that for ourselves too. It's like, yes, that we're passionate about certain things, but certain things aren't our purpose and detaching from that does change the way you feel about yourself at the end of the day and and whether or not you feel successful or whether or not you want to continue. Right. right? And so it's important to recognize the difference. I'm curious to ask you, I feel a lot of times, I feel like I'm in service to something. I feel like I'm in service to the animals that we work with, to the community of farmers that we work with. And so I think that there's a lot of purpose in that service and that business has become the vehicle for the way that I do service. And that creates also this other dimension of really being connected to a business in a way that I think not every entrepreneur is. Yeah, definitely. And all those relationships that you build because it takes, you know, your connections with other people to help build a strong community and an awareness of what your mission is and your purpose with others. And I think like more of that sharing is just fortifies those relationships. And I think too, like how you mentioned, you know, you feel like you're on this path of service. And I think that is what a Dharma is, you know, that that is Dharma and confusing that with the business can really be upsetting at times. So to really look at business as the vehicle to help you live out your Dharma Mm -hmm. is I think super important. And it's something that we're facing right now, because if you're in business for just for the paycheck, or the ego, whatever that may be, it's, there's going to be times where that's just not fulfilling. But if you know deep down that that business is the vehicle for you to live out your dharma, your service, then it becomes worth it in those hard days. It mm-hmm. makes it easier to stick with it when you're taking out the trash and mopping the floors and shoveling the shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? when, when you're there it, until 9 p.m., 10 p.m. Yes. And so that's what really makes it worth it in the end. And I think that that's the biggest thing, the reason, the biggest reason people can get on their business is because maybe it isn't any longer a vehicle for them to fulfill their purpose or their dharma. And maybe it is, but they're not looking at it in that light. I love that. Before we get too far, will you actually define dharma for everybody, for people that don't know? Yeah. yeah. Your, yeah. Your God-given purpose. Your purpose. Yeah. And it's it's fulfilled through service and just for the sake of doing and living your truth, not for the paycheck. And I think that that a lot of people confuse Dharma and passion as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we get too far, you have to introduce yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Kim Welch, and I'm co-founder of Farm True. And I'm Lynn Goodwin, and co-founder. And you want us to tell a little bit about ourselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us how you became connected and how you started Farm True. We became connected studying Ayurveda. We, I think Kim can probably talk to her path to get there and I'll, I'll speak to mine, but I, about 10 or 11 years ago when I was doing yoga teacher training and on the path, there were huge shifts in my life just to take better control of my own health 
health and well-being. A lot of it, mind and body stuff that I just recognized was off kilter. I didn't know exactly what, but I needed it. No, I needed to explore things a little bit more. I enrolled in yoga teacher training and really I've always absorbed like that philosophy of Vedanta philosophy and Sankhya philosophies. Um, always been something that's run close to my heart. So I enjoyed studying that and also implemented when I went to Ayurvedic workshops is how it started. It just made so much sense to me. Ayurveda is such a common sense, simple food and lifestyle tools. And it's a holistic, it's body, mind, and spirit. It's, it's so rich. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn and the more I wanted to study. And it's definitely a lifelong path. So after attending that first workshop is where I met Kim. And from there, we just went on to study more through the California College of Ayurveda and never set out to become business owners. It was more of what we were trying to do for our own health and for our family's health. And yeah, just a relationship formed there. And I'll I'll kind of let you tell you more about your story. Yeah, we definitely didn't have any agenda when we went to the to the workshop. I myself was on a similar path of just health and wellness and struggling with some personal health issues of just trying to feel better in, in my body and was drawn to just natural whole food eating and had taken a lot of interest in herbalism as well. And what really what brought me to the workshop is that my daughter became ill at a very young age. She had, she came across this really strange illness that depleted her significantly. And so it was, it was traumatic and and she wasn't able to go to school and we were going to Yale once a week and I would go there and I would see the same kids every week, not getting well. And I just knew there had to be something more. And that comes from something deeper, a spiritual connection. I'm not sure what, but like you know, I wasn't willing to take the the answer that this just sometimes happens and you'll learn to live with it and she'll learn to live with it. And I don't, I don't know what it was, but I'm sure Ayurveda crossed my path many times before, but that was when I was ready to hear it. And I was in the waiting room and she was in her appointment and Dr. Oz was on Oprah and he was talking about ghee and he mentioned Ayurveda and he, he had talked about how it can somehow benefit the mind. And I don't remember exactly what was said, but I just remember I just clamped onto it. And from this illness, my daughter suffered severe OCD symptoms that she never had before. It was like a light switch went off and she was a different person. And so there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of lifestyle changes that were happening. And I implemented ghee into her system right away and it started to help her heal. And I didn't really know why, but I knew that I needed to figure it out. And that that's what brought me to the workshop. And so I was fascinated because I was in there for her, but I was also like realizing it was answering all my, my biggest questions about life and why I was here and what, how to live a balanced life. And, and Lynn actually, after the workshop contacted me and called me and we had we talked a little friends. bit. We weren't yeah. friendly. We didn't hang out, but she had said, Hey, I, I'm really thinking that I'm going to go and study this through CCA. And it would be great if we could do it together. Are you interested? Because it'd be great to be study partners. And I had three reasons to say no. I mean, my daughter was just in the beginning of her healing process. I had another daughter at home. I had to have to homeschool because she wasn't well enough to go to school. And, but I said, yes. And we went on the journey together as two people who were just curious and interested in Ayurveda and bounced ideas off of each other. And it saved us because it can be a pretty lonely place, Ayurveda. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to understand. And yeah, into, as you're learning anything, when you bounce it off people and you're experiencing it real life, it's like, 
that's how you learn more. Right. And, and Kim and I are different in different ways and had different challenges. And then I think we learned through each other's experiences as well that opened our eyes. And like Kim said, there was no agenda. It was, uh, we did a year of that, that particular course. And then at the end, you go to California to the school and you do this immersion. And we were like, okay, what now? Right. Because Mm -hmm. we're both, you know, people that we like to work. We have a lot of passion behind, you know, getting things done and taking on challenges. And it was like, how do we share about Ayurveda at that time? It really was where we live. Nobody really knew about it. You know, it was different in the West coast and all of that. So how can we share it? Well, we could see clients one-on-one or, you know, what would be the best way to get it out in a bigger way? And we're like, why don't we just start with ghee? Because ghee was to us a lighter way to introduce maybe a serious topic of like health and wellness that could be overwhelming. And it's a different culture. So it's not relatable always in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we came from a background of food. We both oh, have a nutrition background. So we had both had experience working with clients and working on healthy whole food living. And so starting with food, I think just came natural to us. It was like ghee was like a superpower food from it coveted in Ayurveda as like, it's where you start, you know, it's one of the easiest things you can implement in your life to start healing your mind and your gut. So that was, that was definitely a no brainer for us. And where we lived, you couldn't buy grass fed ghee. It was, there was one brand of ghee on the market at the time still in, it wasn't in your mainstream grocery stores. And we were both personally purchasing ghee from the West coast and, and shipping it all the way over here. And it tasted amazing, much better than what we were having, you know, access to at the grocery store. And so we knew that there was more to eat than just buying a jar of clarified butter. We knew that there needed to be, you know, a grass, significant grass fed component of it and a humane raising of the cow, you know, for it to be truly healing ghee. And so that's where it really, and we loved going to, I mean, we were both loved going to farmer's markets and that atmosphere and all of that. And at the time where we lived in Rhode Island and Connecticut, there were so many new small emerging businesses that I feel like they were all trailblazers that like you, you never saw kimchi or sauerkraut as much or juice around it here. You really didn't. There were so many businesses that were doing, it was really exciting to be mm-hmm. a part of that. And we kind of thought, we said to ourselves, well, at the first market, right? Like we don't know if we're going to sell one jar and the line of people. And we were, I was like a deer in headlights. I remember thinking people wanted it, the ghee, they wanted to know more about it. And then when you just start talking about cooking and then they learn about Ayurveda, they're like, well, tell me more about that. And then you speak about digestion and anxiety. And of course that speaks to people's pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think that speaks to all of our pain. Yeah. And it was a whirlwind for sure. We were the it girls at the farmer's market for yeah. a little while. We were the gee girls. <laughs> That's how we were called. Gee girls are here. And, and it was a really validating and it fulfilled that passion, but also the purpose. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. We missed those days. <laughs> yeah. I love that you have this story that you want to tell about Ayurveda and you want to bring it in an accessible way. And I think just from my own experience, there's something really special about communicating to people through food. I think that there's an intimacy that we have with food and sitting around a table. And again, this is also something that literally goes inside of our bodies. The act of eating to me is a very intimate thing. And so to sort of invite people into this conversation around Ayurveda through food feels so beautiful to me. And and through ghee in particular, which I think 
it's just such a magical substance. For those that don't know, I want to take one little step back and I want to introduce Ayurveda a little bit just as a as a technology and as a lens. I love what you said, Lynn, about Ayurveda being a, a tool of common sense. And then to go back to what you said, Kim, that there's this holistic aspect of it, right? It's not the, it's not reductive. It's looking at your gut and your mind, all of these different interlocking pieces. Yeah. (laughs) The mouthful, where to start? Ayurveda is a actual medical science that originated in India 5,000 years ago, you know, just consider the sister science to yoga. And it is an actual medical science that preceded and influenced the way Eastern medicine is practiced, the way Western medicine is practiced. The goal that is maybe a little bit different than the way Western medicine is practiced today is, you know, Ayurveda is concerned with getting at the root cause of disease or imbalance rather than just simply treating symptoms. While there are tools in Ayurveda to treat symptoms, they, the goal is to get at the root cause to avoid that from perpetuating. And the tools for health and wellness are like food and lifestyle tools. And that's where the simplicity comes in. So there's a lot of empowerment in it and ownership. It's nice, I think, and gentle because there's no judgment around it. It's not about doing things right or wrong. It's just understanding a kind of fool. It takes into account, you know, treating and addressing the needs of us, the totality of who we are, our body, our mind, and our spirit. So we're not just physical beings, but there's the emotional component and the spiritual. So, yeah, it's like the, the chicken and the egg you know, scenario, what came first mm-hmm. in Ayurveda, they, they teach what comes first illness in the mind or in the, in the body. And because either one could play off each other. And so with Ayurveda, you treat both, you mm-hmm. treat the gut and, and your digestive system as well as the mind. And that was a big, like aha for us. And like that, that wholeness and how it's so interconnected. And I think the best thing about Ayurveda, the the biggest thing that was like mind blowing to me was that just how connected we are to nature. Mm. And I definitely, I was one of those people that went into that workshop saying, I'm sorry, I don't think the weather really is (laughs) affecting the season isn't affecting my health. (laughs) But then obviously layers were peeled off and I I clearly see, see that we are nature. We are just like that big oak tree in the fall that dries up and loses its leaves. <laughs> and seeing those elements that play at the tree, I can see play in my own body and in my mind. I love one of the analogies that one of our teachers had taught us at CCA, which was like imagining this big tree. And I just, I just can relate to this so much and imagine those invisible root systems down into the ground that you never see. And, you know, then you have the trunk and the the branches and the leaves. And that is, that is disease. That is the body. And so you have all these things going on underneath the soil, these systems that are talking to each other, that are really depending on the ebb and flow of nature and the circadian rhythms. And then and then it can move up the central nervous system of the tree and then branch out into the, the limbs. And then you can have disease if you don't pay attention to what's going on in the tree and, and the seasons affect that. And it was just, it, it was such a beautiful way for us to be able to see that the elements affect us every day, whether it's that water, the air, ether, it's, you know, fire. It's true. It's like, they were like the building blocks of creation are the five elements, but macrocosm, the universe and us, our microcosm, our beings. And 
when you start to learn through Ayurveda how to witness those elements and their qualities outside of yourself and in everything you take in through your food and your lifestyle, and then how they play out in your own mind-body type, your constitution, that's when you can understand what living in balance is, what living in harmony is with nature, because you can take in the things that best complement your elemental makeup, right? Your constitution. That sense of interconnectivity, whether it's the interconnectivity of your mind and your body. And just as you, as you began that conversation, I mean, we know so much over 90% of serotonin is produced in the gut and the vagus nerve that traverses, you know, our mind into our body. There is so much influence both from the top down and from the bottom up. And I think that's something that we lost. And I have to wonder, as you talk about this medical science, that knowing that we are a part of nature, when Western medicine, when allopathic medicine, I think really perpetuates that myth that we are separate from nature, that we are not a part of nature. And then to bring in just that simple observation that when you're connected into nature, you get to observe the outside and recognize that it's really just a reflection of the inside, that there's that, that macrocosm and the microcosm. And it's key because if you can't see that, you're not going to see how to get at anything that's imbalanced in your body. If you can't see that you're a part of nature, then you're going to go for the the prescription drug to help you with whatever is bothering you instead of trying to get at the root cause because you're not going to see the connection. And I think that that's the most important thing to try and keep aware of because I think we're throwing things to constantly disconnect us from nature. Mm-hmm. And that it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. And when you can see it, when you're mindful enough to notice, wow, I need to shut the computer and I need to get outside and look at the sunshine and really pay attention to how that changes your, the way you feel. And which means all your cells are doing different things, right? That is the key to being able to stay happy and healthy is being aware of that disconnect. And they say in Ayurveda, all key begins with awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I was going to say, and the connection between mind and body, because I think the other thing that we don't have in our society is really teaching ourselves and teaching our children how to connect in to our bodies, how to stop, how to feel. And what you said to walk outside into nature and to feel it, you have to connect back into what is my body feeling and to have that level of awareness. I think of like the things that you don't even know. Like when I was learning about Ayurveda, that one of the teachers said, um, do you tend to be dry, the dry skin, Mm -hmm. right? And I couldn't even answer the question. I was like, no, I, or I don't know. And I wasn't even aware, understanding and where she was trying to lead me down that thought process. Is I had a lot of air in my constitution and I had a tendency towards dry skin or dryness in my digestive system. And that's just like a launching off point from understanding then what foods would then complement or balance that dryness. So, right. The same question was asked to me and I said, no, because I put lotion on every morning. <laughs> so see, my skin doesn't look dry. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, no, but you have to put lotion on every morning. So you are dry and you're just covering it up and dryness is not now no longer coming, coming out on your skin. It's coming out in your gut. It's coming out in your mind. It's coming out in other ways. And that's what can lead to the imbalance and disease. But yeah. that awareness is like, it's so innocent. 
right? Because you're like, no, I, I use lotion. I'm not dry. And it's really important to pass that wisdom on. I think that that is where we feel the most pulled mm-hmm. is to not just become ghee manufacturers or manufacturer <laughs> products, which is what we feel like most of the mm-hmm. days, but, but to be able to share some of this wisdom that we've been fortunate enough to benefit from and being exposed to. And that's when it feels really good, whether it's sharing it with your children or with a customer that walks in or whomever, it's just, that's what feels right. Yeah. It feels like it serves yet again, another connection point that to be able to teach people and to bring people into this, this medical system. That's so beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's to connect to nature, to connect to yourself, to connect to your, your mind and your body together, and then to connect back into a community and to see Ayurveda as that tool of connection. Just really, it really excites me. That is our business. That is on our website. That is what we set out to do. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's a challenge, but it is what is the most fulfilling part of the business for sure. I want to ask you, you talked a lot about finding root causes and that really speaks to my soul. I've, I've spent a long health journey looking for root causes, but you also talked about healing your mind through food and then said something about talking about dryness and dryness in your mind. And that just, that just kind of punched me in my gut. I think as somebody who experiences a lot of dryness and a lot of those vata tendencies, dryness in my mind. That was something I hadn't even considered was applying that to how I was, I don't know, maybe how I'm thinking. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's so many angles to go at. (laughs) And that's right. And my goodness, I think that comes down to a lot of the components of the elements and how they exist in your body and in your mind. And if we use the example between us and nature, if we think about like in the fall when the air is drier, and if we have a constitution that tends to be drier, that can create a condition for even enhanced maybe anxiety or, you know, rapid circulation movement of thoughts Mm -hmm. that come to play in repetitive thoughts or anxious feelings and like that. And And even the tissue, like even the tissue, if you think about a brain, it's a very mucosal, moist tissue with lots of buffer. And when it's drier and you think about all those neurons firing and they don't have that nice, it's almost like um, when you think about electricity, they don't have the nice buffer and they hit each other, they misfire and they can cause a lot of activity and faster too when they're not buffered. And, and I think so many people in our culture think of health in like one, kind of just like kind of a one track way of like, well, if I exercise a lot or if I eat a lot of salads, salads are healthy, right? So if you're in a state of like Kim was saying, someone that's dry and you're dry in your mind, well, those kind of habits would be more detrimental to you. More so, depleting, yeah. More depleting if you then you know, balance that with things that are more nourishing and slowing down and hydrating and using healthy fats like ghee, then you're helping to pacify that anxiety in the mind. Right. Then using the opposite quality to balance whatever you're feeling. So if you're feeling not grounded in the mind or anxious or thoughts racing, you're going to want to use heavier foods, oilier foods, grounding foods that help slow everything down in your mind. And when you can picture it physically, like, you know, the brain and the mucous membranes around it and all of that, it makes sense that you would build tissue, not detoxify or eat foods that are, you know, um, cleansing, you know? And so at that time of year, that's why traditionally people will eat root vegetables and they will have the 
Um, the squashes, you know, maybe they'll partake in more of the bone broths and more fats to get them through the winter, but it's really keeping them from getting too dry and depleted. And then in the spring would be the time to introduce the foods that are lighter when you start to feel just like depressed and like not motivated and heavy. And then it's like, Oh, now bring out the, the sprouts and the berries and the things that are detoxifying and cleansing. And it works physically, but it also works emotionally and mentally. As you were talking about dryness in the brain, I was thinking about our brains are composed of a, a really decent amount of fat. And a lot of that myelin sheath that creates the, the buffer for our neurons to fire and that sheathing is dependent on fat. And just so much of our, our body systems, whether it's steroid hormone production, depends on having fat. And I think a lot of our mood and a lot of the, the way that neurotransmitters are made depend on fat in our diets. And that's such an interesting start point when you have ghee, which I think is this, I truly think it's the most magical fat. And I know, I know you guys know how much ghee I use because I order it from you and I, I put it on my whole body. It goes on my face. It goes in my body. It is how I start almost every, every hot pan gets a, and I mean a, a healthy dollop of ghee. So I want to talk about fat. Yeah. It's so great about the fat thing is, and in Ayurveda actually is that once you start to have a little bit of that awareness component of really understanding yourself a little better and, and how you're playing out with nature, then you can start to determine how much fat you need. And that I think is one of the things that has caused fat such a horribly hard journey is that it's always been lumped into this is a good fat, this is a bad fat, or it's not good for anybody, or it's it's good for everybody. And the more fat, the better. And, and Ayurveda philosophy really teaches us that's not so. Like it's, it, it really truly is a person to person difference, right? Yeah. And so, so season to season, season to season and time of life, you know, children might need it that are really depleted or, you know, elderly might need it in an enormous amounts. And, and it, it really is dependent on your body type and the awareness of what's going on in your body at that moment. So once you can determine when you need fat and how much it can be medicine, it can be health or harm. And so that's one thing that we really try to make sure that we get across is to not villainize fat or any food in, for that matter is just to really understand yourself and what you need and why you need it. But fat, yeah, fat, not only from the standpoint of grounding the brain and, and nourishing us from the most subtle t- tissues all the way down to the deepest tissues is the most, key is the most effective fat for doing that is it's a carrier oil. So it carries the nutrients of our, our food deeper into the tissues mm. or the herbs that we infuse into ghee. So it can truly be used as medicine much more effectively than any other oil out there. And so I think that's why it's so powerful to us is because it has those magical powers you were talking about because yeah, it's amazing. It can penetrate all seven layers of the tissues. Unlike a lot of other oils out there that you could just put on your skin and it can sit there or it could actually suffocate your skin. Whereas ghee really truly absorbs into your skin and can go deep 
And then take take this nutrient. Yeah, it's really amazing. The carrier oil, like you said, it's also builds. There's a term in Ayurveda called ojas, mm-hmm. and it basically means like a strong immune system or in strong both in physical body and in the mind, the ability to withstand stress. Like we all know the feeling when we have less margin to be able to take things on, or we can anything can come at us and we can handle it. And ghee is the ultimate ojas building food. It helps build that stability that calm and nourishment of the mind and the body. Oh, I think that's so beautiful. The idea that it builds sort of a, this ogis, or I was thinking of it almost as resilience, that ability to be more dynamic. And I think, and with our immune system, so much of that is actually inside of our gut, just like some of our neurotransmitters are built inside of our gut. So is our immune system. And I know that ghee not only has all of these amazing minerals and vitamins in it and is serving as a carrier oil to actually bring those into the cells. I know vitamins A, D, E, and K, but it's also a great source of butyric acid and butyrate, which is part of what fuels and gives energy to the cells inside of our gut and and helps to mitigate inflammation. Do you want to speak a little bit more about that? Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, we can make our own butyric acid in our stomachs by eating a lot of plant material. And that is one way that we can keep our, our gut healthy is by eating lots of plant material. But butyric acid is in butter. It's the highest source of butyrate that you can ingest. And that, especially once you remove all the milk solids from the butter it's more absorbable and it's accessible to the bacteria and all those little microorganisms in your gut to be able to use and proliferate, really just multiply. So it almost acts as ghee can act as almost like a prebiotic so that it's feeding the good bacteria. It's actually giving them life. And so they can multiply so they can stay strong and healthy and then build a stronger mucosal lining. It's imperative to have another in our today's culture with the stress mm-hmm. and the diet that we're exposed to. It's, an, it's imperative to have another source of butyrate in your to go into your system. So that's another one of those superpowers of ghee that people don't really realize. I mean, I think so many people will say, oh, it's clarified butter. And it's, it's just so much more than that. It's, it's beyond clarified butter, you know, clarified butter has a flashpoint around 375 and, and then you keep going. And a long time later, you come up with ghee. It's much more clarified than clarified butter, but the and more that removes, clarified it gets, the more that, that removes casein and lactose. That's right. That's, true. That's right. Right. Which can actually, when you have the lactose and the casein, it can kind of impair the digestive process. So even though you're, you're, adding more butyrate to your diet, your digestive system might be struggling still. But when you remove those things, the butyrate can do what it's supposed to do, which is, you know, really help strengthen the the good microorganisms in your gut. Yeah, it's 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 simplified the entire thing down to really what's essential. And I think that's so beautiful as somebody I can't handle casein, I can handle lactose, but casein manifests for me as depression. So even having our own milk cow here on the farm, I can't drink milk from her. And and I, I see it ingest dairy in some form and two, three days later. I'll just kind of hit a lull and I've experimented and experimented with it. And so I think removing these things that can agitate people and taking it down to just 
just what gives, right? Just what's carrying in those nutrients is a really special thing. Absolutely. And so, and so ghee doesn't bother you then, Kate? No, ghee doesn't bother me. And I eat a lot of ghee and I I eat a lot of ghee and I know I make ghee sometimes from the dairy, from our milk cow, but I also use a lot of farm chew and that's, that's almost all I use. And it's our main cooking oil, even above tallow. And I think that you can just see how many of those nutrients is carried through, through the color and looking at the difference of farm true geese color versus other geese that are available on the market. You can just see that. And as a butcher over the years, we've talked a lot about the way that fat shifts seasonally, that you can see the colors and fat change because that is where we store these fat soluble nutrients, A, D, E, and K, which all need fat in order to be absorbed in the body, but also live in the, the fats of animals. And one of, one of the things I've, I've thought a lot about it as I've used ghee over the years is that it almost feels like it's preserving sunshine, that there's this aspect of it's, it's sunshine made solid. And I see so much of what goes into the animal comes through the milk, that that really is such a beautiful litmus test for the grasses and the sun and the practices of the farmer. And one of the things that I think is so exceptional about you guys is that you've really gone above and beyond to source butter in a way that many companies do not and to get a chance to preserve all of those nutrients. I'd love to just hear more about your sourcing process. It definitely started out uh, naively, you know, and, and, but we didn't realize we were in for such a challenge when it comes to finding truly grass fed dairy cows, especially over here in the Northeast and in the U S in general, in the U S in general, for sure. But, you know, we were really lucky. We found some farmers that we quickly connected with and, loved their practices. And we saw the difference right away from cows that were treated really well, lots of grass and clover to eat and cows that unfortunately were in a milking bar most of the time with infected teats or things like that, even though they were certified organic and they were all the rage, these companies were all the rage. We were really like, wow, people don't know. And so that truly that They don't. Yeah. And so getting out and going to meet the farmers is as much as that sounds unrealistic for most people, that is what we did. And we know that not everybody can do that. And so we do share that story so that people can feel good about knowing they're they're supporting farmers who treat their cows really wonderfully, that they take it very seriously, not only the, the health of the cow, but the health of the land. Um, and that they recognize that it's, that we're all connected and it's a system that has to keep feeding each other. And it's challenging. We've lost a lot of customers over the years that have wanted deeper discounts. And as the farmers need to raise their prices, we pay it and we don't really balk at that because we know we can't and we don't want we want them to get what they deserve to keep raising cattle in the way that they need to you know but we've had to lose we've had to let go of some some sales and the idea of growing like a lot of other gee companies grow we really made the choice to say we're not going to compromise 
our values in this area. And so we will not use up our resources of butter on anyone who's not willing to pay for it, to pay for the quality, because then we would never be able to pay for the to the farmers. And it also keeps us on a pose with, oh, you know, sourcing can be an issue, especially now with, you know, how it's going with dairy farms and the prices going up and all of that. And so, yeah, you choose between mass production and really low prices versus keeping the quality up and serving, you know, the people that really understand that connection to it. Yeah. In the beginning of our business, Kate, we really, our, our biggest challenge was telling people, educating them what ghee was. Yeah. And now ghee is just exploded over the last 10 years. And now our challenge is explaining to them why our ghee and why it does taste different, why it is more parallel, and why it's important to support U.S. dairy farmers to keep the food system strong. And so that's a challenge in itself. And I think it's something that all consumers can benefit from, just like knowing where your food comes from and understanding that, you know, I think people don't, I think more they're thinking about it, but maybe not thinking about just taking it for granted or, you know, it's a forever supply and it's fast and convenient and may not always be that way. So, you know, bringing awareness towards that hopefully helps enlighten them. And I think what you've done by going out and actually visiting farms and talking to farmers and building relationships is a big piece of that. Because I think that some of what people don't understand is just we what we don't see, right? And there's so many veils and so little transparency within the meat and dairy industries that you see organic butter and you make an assumption that it's one thing, but it's actually, like Kim said, all these cows in barns and they're not in the greatest shape. And I think, and I want to, I want to make sure I speak to this, you know, living here in the Northeast, this used to be a pretty hefty dairy country. There were a lot of dairy farms across New York and Vermont and Connecticut. And it has, that industry has changed completely into something where, and, and you still see like these big milk tankers would go around and they would, they would collect milk from these dairy farms. And now if you aren't producing at a certain level, then you're not worth their time. And if you're not producing in a certain way, they won't pay you any more for a hundred percent grass fed than they would for just corn finish. So there's no incentive to really put something back into the land and into standards. And even the small farms are struggling to find outlets for dairy. And I think that that is both a reflection of how the dairy industry has changed through plant-based milks and things like that, as well as a reflection of how our smaller food system has changed where we actually are connected to the farmers and to their practices and to knowing how much value there is in paying people more. And I know, I mean, I know for us at Western Daughters, 50 cents of every dollar that consumers spend goes directly out the door to a farmer, which is really because we believe that we need to pay people what their product is worth and to really support them. And so I just wanted to, I just wanted to add that piece. Yeah. I I think the more consumers do understand that, then they'll be able to kind of demand that. So then there will be the farmers that will be able to do that. So it just works out, you know, in a balanced way. And these stories need to get out there. What you're doing, having this podcast, having these conversations with people like ourselves, 
and sharing those relationships that we're having with farmers. We, we have to all collaborate together to get this story out there and to educate people so they understand that dairy, they can still purchase really responsible and wonderful dairy. They don't have to choose a plant-based milk just off of the fact that they're afraid that they're contributing to a bad system. Absolutely. And a plant-based milk that's going to have all of these different fillers and these things that our bodies don't recognize, these binders and just and sugar and seed oils. Plant-based milks are a bit of a there's a lot in there that they're, is they're not serving you. Yeah, they're dark space right now. Yeah. So yeah, and it's like it's there's a lot of work to be done. And it does feel like that's another piece of that that dharma that we were talking about, the purpose is like, there's a reason why to keep going, to keep doing this every day. And when you're faced with those big questions of why are you doing this? That what we're talking about right now is a piece of it. I think that's so beautiful. And I know that, I know that this makes, it makes business hard and it's something you've hitched your wagon. I think there's something really beautiful about having a relationship with a farmer and that you kind of grow together or a group of farmers where there's some scale, right? Like you're not, you're not buying butter to make ghee from bigger producers and you're buying it domestically. It's another, another piece of the equation that I think is so important. I I don't know how it is for the dairy industry, but for the meat industry, about 5% of all of the meat industry is hundred percent grass fed beef here in the U S and less than 1% is actually produced domestically. Everything else is imported from Australia and New Zealand. And so that footprint is so widespread and that relationship between a company and their farmer, it's not even possible. And so to have a true connection, a face-to-face connection to have seen the animals in the land. And I'm a little bit curious about the dairy industry. That are the, Is there a lot of importing of butter? We recently, because um, we're always looking to make sure that we're solid with our sourcing. And, and over the years, we've had some farmers not make it or not be able to actually have the excess cream to be able to produce butter. So we're constantly always looking for farms that can produce or supply us. And we recently just had a conversation with probably one of the largest dairy companies in the country that said that they would be happy to send us a butter sample, but it was coming from New Zealand. And that was just as of December that they had to make that decision to collaborate with farmers from overseas, mostly New Zealand. And that they also said in that same breath that they even knew less about what that quality of the butter would look like because they were right, so vast. They're pulling from different sources now, but they couldn't supply. And they're a very large company within the U.S. So that kind of opened our eyes again to just, just like, like, wow, wow. They, yeah. yeah, that's it's. It's a thing. It's so. a thing for people. And so luckily we we do have some smaller farms that we work with and we're in good shape, but it is always this fear of like, what if there's not enough? And I think for us, we've all, we've, we've been faced with this many times that we know we just, we would not produce a ghee that wasn't from the U.S. that wasn't right. grass-fed. Exactly. Yeah. Main mission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we would have to figure something else out. But yeah. luckily, if we keep doing this work and keep talking to people and, and and really try to continue on this movement, I know people are really tired. They're tired with this, you know, farm movement, but like we can't get lazy on it. We have to keep going. And 
keep showing people the importance. And I think here in particular, where we live, we have four dairy farms in our town. It's a very small town of like 5,000 people, but it's a large geographical town. Mm -hmm. So there's four dairy farms and only one of them is actually any kind of quality that we can purchase from as far as being grass fed, free roaming, organic, right? And all that. So there's still a lot of, it, it is such a challenge for that farm, you know, to have enough supply. So there's just so much work to be done. <laughs> and I think one of the biggest pieces is how businesses like Farm True, how do we communicate and educate consumers on what that process looks like while it still feels authentic and while it still feels, I mean, it's a pretty heavy conversation. And so while it still has some levity and this is, and, and I say this just as somebody who constantly struggles with this, how do I communicate everything that we do that's so different without going into the depth of all the the bad things over here and how do we communicate the value piece that it costs more and so much more went into it and i think especially you know in the us we spend about 9 to 11% of our income on food compared to largely across the world it's over 30%. And so this is a real piece, a real shift that people have to make in their thinking and it's something I always want to bring along with gentleness and through storytelling. I mean that's really that's really why we're here. I think it speaks yeah, I think it speaks to people's lifestyle choices as well. So I think you can touch a a nerve maybe sometimes. And that's why sometimes it's hard to communicate that value because you're asking or showing people that they may have to change their lifestyle choices to, you know, there's fast food places are not slowing down. Like you said, the cost about what, you know, Americans spend on food versus Europeans. And that's a real thing. So it would have to change consumers value system into what they spend on their food, which is a lifestyle choice that may or may not be, you know, they may or not be open to. We're not yet, right? Timing, yeah. I mean, I'd be ready. But, and I think what you're doing with the podcast and, mm-hmm. and you said, how do we communicate? I think you're doing it. And I think we're right. doing it. I think it's difficult as business owners because we do spend the majority of our time not in front of a camera, yeah. uh, <laughs> behind the scenes. Washing dishes. Exactly. We've tended to not be in the the spotlight. And in fact, we've been forced (laughs) to to do more of getting out there and talking more about why we do what we do and our story. And not that we don't want to, we know it's super important, but there's just so much work to be done. And, but I think this is important. This is how we do it. Yeah. This is a platform. No, I was just going to say a lot of people, when they start businesses kind of come out with like being a personality behind the business or being the face (laughs) Uh of the business. Oh yeah. It was like, we just had this, a cow was the face of it. We're like, we love Ayurveda. We want people to know about it and we'll do this. And it wasn't based on, you know, it wasn't really ego driven in the sense of we want to be out there and be the voice. So yeah, that's taken a lot of work to this. Yeah. It's challenging for us to put ourselves out there. It's yet another hat that you wear within a business where you're making the ghee and you're packing the shipping boxes and you're trying to decide how to manage supply chain issues. I'm sure with jars, the cost of jars goes up and your bookkeepers and janitors and all of these hats. And then to have to put on a hat and a face and to... (laughs) 
it's sometimes more comfortable to just put on your muck boots, like, you know, your hair in, in your hairnet or whatever, and just do the work than it is to be presentable. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You guys speak so, you speak so beautifully about it. And so I want to see, I just want to see as much of you as possible out there, because I really do think that you're bringing you're bringing something else and and you're reminding people of how to connect back into themselves. And it's not just through ghee. I don't want to, you know, we focused so much on ghee, but it's not just through ghee, but through all these other products that really touch every space in the body. Like each product touches mind, touches body inside and out. And they also, your sourcing and your mission comes through in how these things feel on your skin, how they feel in your body, how they resonate almost in your heart. And so I don't, I don't want to just focus on ghee and I want to let you talk about the other skincare items that you guys create and Ayurvedic spice blends and kitchery. Well, we, you know, we, Ayurveda looks at, we're here having this physical experience in the world and everything we take in through our five senses, not just our food impacts how we feel and how we are in the world. So we digest through our skin, just like we digest food. Yeah. Yeah, All the sensory impressions. Ayurvedic healing is really based in five sense therapy and routines that all the products that we make are supportive of the routines that help nourish all the senses. So yeah, that's just a part of the healing. Yeah. And everything we make, they're all products that we ourselves had a need for in our life. And so every product was created with intention to be the most healing and nourishing product it could be because it's, that's what we want for us is the most healing and nourishing product. But also it wasn't about just to create a big line and to create more profits. If anything, I think that having such a large Ayurvedic lifestyle line has been probably less profitable than if we would have just stuck with ski. So yeah, it's more challenging, but then you truly have that another one of those components that's being checked off the list of being feeling fulfilled. And because you're, you're really making products that can help people on their Ayurvedic journey. Those tools are at their fingertips because so many times they're like, where do I get this? How do I get this? And honestly, in the beginning, it was like, well, maybe we can make that for that. You know, that nice lady Jane at the right. farmer's market, maybe we can make her some infusion. And and so it, it came out of a need. Yeah. You start to teach people about, oh, you can use these tools like nausea oil or pulling oil. And it's like, okay, where do I get that? And then, so then the products follow. And, you know, earlier, an hour before we hopped on this, Kim stepped out of the kitchen with a salve that she made for my but it's just, you know, it is out of a need. It's like, it's, um, you need the tools to support, you know, the, the nausea oil, the pulling oil, the hair oil, everything that nourishes. So, and the ghee was a huge player in that we were sitting with this liquid gold every day and knowing how healing would be in a body oil, mm-hmm. in a salve, in a lip balm, and, and just about almost everything and using it as a carrier oil, like it was intended as a medicinal medium was incredibly like, oh, this is beautiful. We have to get this out to people. And for many years, we did get this stuff out there and we were not charging what it cost us to make it. It was a big 
big boo-boo. It's all handmade. <laughs> so it's like in our kitchen here, you have, it's herbal infusion. So mm-hmm. all the most beautiful organic herbs being infused right into that, the ghee and the sesame oil. It's like, it's an experience in there yeah. to see it and hand bottled and all of it. So it is definitely a lot of fun. And you're growing some of what's going in there as well on a, sounds like a little four acre, little, I'm saying little, but four acre plot next to Farm True. Well, so yeah, so the four acre plot, plot is part of Farm True. We moved our herbs over to a larger plot, a larger farm this past summer. And we did, we grew some Tulsi, some lemon balm, sage, we grew ashwagandha. And we do use some of the herbs that we grow in into our infusions. We still have to purchase quite a bit. We can't grow everything here, but it is a connecting process yeah. that it, even if there were a couple of things that we grew that we didn't end up using, but to feel like connected to that plant and know the energy that in the properties that it brings to the product we're making, it's part of the getting to know the product. It's like, it's just kind of a really wonderful process to stay connected to the land. Yeah. And to, and for people that are using that and putting that on their skin, I mean, that's the land soaking back into you through all seven layers of your epidermis, which I did not realize that ghee is carrying all these things through. And I know for me, and just to touch on this quickly, I'm often looking for body care products that are low in polyunsaturated fatty acids that I want a lower omega-6 count in my body care products. And there's some some anecdotal evidence that that it can increase, that having a lot of omega-6s can increase sun damage and photosensitivity. And I don't eat a lot of seed oils in my diet. And so I really want that for my skin as well. And I found that ghee is is such a beautiful answer and it is so nourishing that I don't think you want to go back. You can truly feel it. And I think it really does engage all five senses. And that really struck me. I didn't, I hadn't considered that, but when I go to use your products, I mean, there's smell and touch that brings me back into connection with myself. I mean, again, I think just to touch your body, I think is, is something that maybe as women, maybe just as the society that we're raised in, it's something that it really brings you back to getting in, into a space. And we're, we're so hard on ourselves. And, and to take that moment, I had that moment this morning putting body oil on before my shower of just, you know, yesterday we made ghee in the kitchen. And I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm feeling it now that I'm getting up there in age. So after a ghee day, I'm a little sore. And having my hands on my legs and feeling the tightness and putting that body oil in and just pouring out gratitude that I wasn't too sore today. I was able to still stretch and come to work and all that. But that moment with yourself, instead of saying, you know, really harmful and harsh words to yourself of like, oh, I hate my body is aging or this or that. Instead, just feeling that gratitude and putting something that's going to fill you up and just like we do with food. But like now we're putting it on the outside of our skin. It is really... Um, that's been a, a big shift for me in the last, I would say, five years of really just appreciating my body and where it's at and using our tools and our products to help celebrate myself. It truly is like Abhyanga or self-massage mm-hmm. like Kim's talking about. is a, It's an act of self-love mm-hmm. and caring. And I think it also brings you into the present moment. Like you're, you're there. 
with yourself and, and things slow down. And so that's good for body and mind. Oh, I love that so much. And I, I agree with you in the last couple of years. And I think farming too, like I, I feel, I feel soreness in my body some days and I see age on my face. I see the business ownership written on my face and there is something about nourishment and the nourishment that comes both from, from what you guys are creating from the ghee and the nourishment that comes from that connection with yourself and to feel, to feel pleasure in a body that is sore and maybe a little bit tired too. I know in the mornings I, I have a red light therapy lamp and I like to take 15 minutes and I sit there and I put ghee on my face and I have a gua sha tool and I just kind of let myself settle into the day and feel nourished. And it's, it's changed my outlook on how, how I talk to myself. And I think that it's easy to get there with food. It's easier to get there with food, to begin to find that rhythm of nourishment from the inside out. And it's harder a little bit to get there from the outside in, at least for me. Yeah, I think that we're all, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think our culture and maybe sometimes how we were raised and maybe just some ancestral threads that come up, we have these ideas of who we are and finding out that our own truths as we get older is, is part of the process, the beautiful process. And like you said, like the connecting part of it is so important because I believe that if you're not connected to nature, then you're not going to really find your truth. Like that connection to nature is spiritual. It's, it's the closest we get to God. And that Without that, it's really hard to find who you truly are and your truth and love yourself from that truth, that place of like knowing who you are, that you're not just this physical shell. Yeah. In Ayurveda, we talk about like all the three, the physical, the mind and the spiritual side of ourselves. And it's within, you know, all imbalances and true disease is in that forgetting of the true nature on the spiritual level. Because from then you start to get agitated in your mind and then it shows up in physical pain or symptoms and things like that. So that is such a big part of health and harmony is at the spiritual level and in being in nature. Yeah. Slowing down, observing and witnessing your environment is, is really how you deepen and remember your truth. I love that. I love the idea of remembering your truth. And I do, I know that just the last two years here on the farm, I have found a much deeper truth and it's through that connection of, of nature, of getting out and being able to connect back to that to almost wake up. I think I've felt in the last two years to wake up and to remember something. And I, for me, that remembrance always goes back to love, love of myself, love of the land, love of others, that that is the thread that I think it's one of the threads that connects all of us and nature. It's just, it's woven through everything is love and beauty. It's easy to forget. <laughs> it's easy to forget because it's, it's, it's the dramas yeah. in life. Right? And you like, forget there's one thing you do, just go outside, get in nature. And that starts the connective process again. And you start connecting and then you start to remember or wake up, like you said, and start to lift some of these veils off that you are on you, the distractions from the computers and the, the dramas in life. But when you get outside and either the sun or the not sun, the elements start to fill you up. You start to remember again, or you start to really see beyond, beyond. just the, yeah, just the right beyond just the, so, I mean, I know we all can't be park rangers and not everybody's <laughs> going to be a farmer, but it is truly healing to find any way possible to get outside on 
basis. That's the one thing that I will tell my kids when they're having a bad day or they're feeling depressed seasonally or whatever, get outside, just mm-hmm. go outside, get outside. And it, it is a start. It's mm-hmm. just a little bit of that connection now that you've got to your spiritual self. Yeah, just to stand on even the smallest patch of grass or to be outside during the sunrise. And it changes. I mean, it, it changes your circadian biology just to be out there to see sunrise sets your melatonin up for the night and it, it resets your cortisol level in the morning. And and we're so connected to that space. And and it is it is an entry point into beyond. And I was telling Lynn and I were emailing. I read last year, my favorite book that I read was it's called the awakened brain by Lisa Miller. And she's, uh, she's a PhD at Columbia in New York city. And she studies spirituality and looks at the way that it truly changes the makeup of our brain and the way that it wires and fires. And this was something that I think is really interesting about Ayurveda to bring in this piece of, of there's the mind and the body. And then beyond this physical plane, there's something spiritual. And I think, I've been on a bit of a spiritual journey the last two years. And really, it's just been through that connection point to nature, that being connected and feeling part of something bigger than myself. It's really powerful. It's so easy. You know, I think so much in like Ayurvedic philosophy and Buddhism, that spirituality in that realm always talks about, you know, we're here in this physical space to have this experience of life and to learn and to grow and to evolve. And that's really what its purpose is. We get sick and we get depressed or anxious or or lost when we start to think that that's all that there is, or we get attached to, you know, just seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. We create suffering for ourselves and understanding that we're both, we're human and we are divine. That's an aspect of us. We're able to cater to both. And Ayurveda, the word spasta, right? Is perfect health. Yeah. And it means established in the self and established in the human self. And then the uppercase S, the divine. So catering to part that's connected to God, right? Yeah. Catering to the needs of our physical body and then the human level, and then catering to that spiritual connection to, you know, to others and universe. And And people say, how do I do that? How do I get that? And, And that truly is. That connection that you can, the stronger your connection is spiritually, you get out in nature. That's like the simple answer because you're going to be closest to your spiritual self there. And then the more you do that, that that empowers us. It gives us the strength to have the discipline to be that best version of ourselves, to kind of work towards those things that working towards our dharmas, the things that bring us the most fulfillment, not the higher version of ourselves. And to fill, fulfill that, right. That yeah. purpose to serve everyone on that level. So yeah, it's, I think like you had said too, Kate, reading the book that you read, it kind of brings, that's a touch point to any kind of scripture or book or that mm-hmm. brings out, we always talk about, right. Oh, I read this and it made me remember or feel whole again, reaching for those types of things or truly supported. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to read that. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And I think, yeah, yeah. I love tools, just little tools that connect us back in. And you said something about finding your truth. And I think in a world where there's so many layers of technology and your email goes off and your phone is going and there's 
the demands of business ownership and bank accounts and, and worries and, and pain. And I think that's part of being human, but those tools like nature or even like ghee, and I, I really believe this, has this power to connect us back to something that is beyond those worries and concerns. And they're still suffering. And I, d- I don't want to, I don't want to minimize that, but to peel back those layers to find truth. And I find that with ghee when I drop it into the pan and I smell it and it starts to melt and it starts to sizzle and you can hear it. And there is something that brings up an almost primal nature of being back at a campfire and you're with people you love making food. And, and I think that that is a connection point too. It doesn't even have to be going outside. Sometimes it's just the meal that you share with a loved one. You're so present, you can tell with that moment where you're, the way you're describing what that moment is for you, smelling, you're bringing in all the senses and and you're being so present in that moment that of course it's going to connect you to your higher self in that moment because you're so present. And so I think we can do that with a lot of things, of course, with ghee, going out in nature, but I, you know, it's that mindset too of just like you can be living out your dharma by just doing dishes every day. Like there, there's a, when you're present and you're just doing the dishes, it's a meditation. It is, it can be healing. Yeah. That's so funny. I've talked a lot about how dishes are my meditative space. <laughs> and I think it actually comes from business ownership. Those nights spent in the dish pit and just this beautiful space where number one, it's the only thing in the day that I ever feel like I can do start to finish. I can kind of close it. It's done. I've done the dishes. But to just go through the simple act of washing and to find presence in that. I recently saw a graphic and it had it had the past and the present and the future. And and I think oftentimes we make these really big, you know, where the past and the future and the present is really small. But if we can enlarge that sense of presence and our tolerance for it, and I think that this is actually really hard to expand our tolerance to be in the present. And I think a lot about the space where you go out into a field and you have cows and they're chewing their cud and they get this sort of thousand yard stare. And I feel like they've left the physical plane and there's just a deep presence. Yeah. Yeah. Being, be here now, right? That's <laughs> right. Like that's really all we need to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So difficult. So difficult. difficult. It's so difficult. And I know it's really true. A lot of your products have really led me back to that in a lot of ways. And I think like when I think about that ghee sizzling in the pan, I also think about the clarifying ghee face wash that I use every night and the way that it smells and I can almost taste it. I think it's chamomile, but it smells so good. And it, it just brings me back into a ritual and into, and that, that again, like connects me, like this is a time for me to find space before bed to connect with myself. Truly as simple as what they say, what like stop and smell the roses. It's such a cliche thing, but it's truly a profound statement because it's stop and just absorb what you're, what's happening right now. And, you know, I know that that's a lot easier 
at certain times of the year for me than it is others. And I think being in a community that is where we're talking about this stuff and Mm -hmm. reminding each other that it's okay to take those breaks. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel like you need to pause. I think that that's really important to keep talking about because I think there's that worker bee in all of us that feels like we have to be check all the boxes by the end of the day and show up for everybody else in our life. And I think that it's really important to stop and observe what's happening around you in your own body. And if you need to stop and pause and put that gee all over your body, then you do it. <laughs> Culturally too, we value such a busyness. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think having the support of other people in your life that recognize what's important is a really good reminder because yeah. if we're valued and praised for being on the go all the time, it's hard to turn against that tide. So funny. I was talking with my therapist this week about how to hit the brakes, how to know when to hit the brakes, how to give myself permission to hit the brakes. And that is, we do, we value busyness so much and learning how to pause and praising each other for that pause. I loved that piece. I think that's really important. Yeah. We all need it. As we're kind of coming up on time, I want to make sure we've talked about so much and my cup feels really full and I want to make sure that we haven't missed anything from your guys' perspective. Oh my goodness. I feel the same. I feel like it's been a great conversation and I am... You know, this conversation, I think, was so needed for <laughs> because, you know, our cups des- definitely have not been full lately. It's been very challenging. I think we've had an employee out with COVID every week for a while now. <laughs> Different. And it's been challenging for us. And, and on top of just everything else that's happening in the world, this conversation, I think, was a big, it was a big spiritual lift for me. I'm sure yeah. it was. No, definitely. I think, you know, sometimes as much as like we were saying, it's it's easier to say, you know, remember your true nature and, and you know, don't get so caught up in the dramas that are attached to the things. But there's definitely been, for everyone, a lot of external circumstances that they start to weigh in on you and you can't ignore them. So it's easy to, I find for myself, lose myself a little bit in that because I'm trying to be in the world, right? (laughs) And contribute in the best way I can and also take care of my own self. So it's like, it's a challenge and and you want it. We, I think Kim and I so much are committed. I know as you are to your business and in your personal life to our own growth and evolution and working on that. So we want to learn from the challenges. So I think that's a good part of it too. Yeah. That can be a hard space, just learning from the challenges and doing that work on both sides, right? The work of growing a business and the work of growing this human and whatever it is to be here on earth at this very difficult time, honestly, I think it just... Yeah, it's it's really changed too these last couple of years for us. I think also the challenges we've been facing have really changed our vision of what we, where we wanted to go. And not just these two years, but what we've learned over the last eight years in business, what we thought we could accomplish or wanted to accomplish eight years ago is so different now. And while our values haven't changed, I feel like they've become more solid and we have a lot more conviction in saying, no, that doesn't work for us. But I think it's challenging for us that we don't have a clear vision of where what our future is. And we don't have anything that we're really truly like, these are our goals. We used to have that. We don't now. We, we I think these last two years have kind of 
put us in a place of like, let's just get through this month. <laughs> this oh yeah. Yeah. This hour. It's like the opposite of feeling grounded. It's just kind of this, like here, you know, you're out there dangling, but, and I think we both feel that there's so much possibility in the unknown. Like I always twist it like, well, when you don't know a clear path, like there's so much potential and you're open to so much. But that's not always that No, and I think we're wired to fear the unknown. I mean, that that just is part of the human condition. And it's just recognizing that, oh, okay, there is unknown. And I think as an entrepreneur, that unknown is even that unknown can be very heavy. And I think it can way and to not have goals. And I under I gosh, I understand that. I think with Western daughters, we're at a point where I'm not. I'm not really sure what's next. Sometimes we're coasting and sometimes we're really pouring a lot back into growth. And sometimes I'm curious how I'm separating purpose and passion and Dharma out of this thing. And I, I also think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we don't get a chance to sit down together and to talk about some of these things that, that weigh heavy. And it's, it's part of why I, conversations like these it gives me a better, like this conversation in particular, gives me a, it gives me hope and it gives me a sense of there are other people out there that are going through this. Definitely. Thank you for, for having us and having this platform for this conversation and for many more, I hope. Um, I hope so. Because it was really Yeah. Thank you, Kate. Will you tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But we do have, we have our website and it's farmtrue.com and we're on Instagram on farmtrue as well at farmtrue. And, and one of the many challenges we face daily is right now we're facing a challenge that if you can't order on farmtrue.com, please email us. Yes, please. Where there's a, a web thing happening, but we are, we have a solid website that's working through some kinks, but yeah, yeah I understand but, that. Yeah. And I think that's important to let people know too. Uh, such a, we want everything instantly and it's so just, just email connect. You know, it is so true though. And so many of our customers that do reach out, we explain because I think people forget there's, they don't see a difference between Amazon and farm true, right? It's just the way we're trained as consumers and for immediate gratification. And when we start to tell people like, Oh, we are a small business and this is, they reply back immediately. Like I get it. Yeah. So that's really, I mean, that's a connection and a touch point to build a relationship and yeah, definitely. definitely. I think that's a veil to lift too, that there are, there are humans behind these businesses and that this can yeah. if you have a website yeah you're yeah, yeah. then you're big and and it does it creates this sort of illusion of grandeur and that there there aren't humans there this is just a product and i think especially when you you see a company like farm true where you guys are so integrated into your product you're there every day making it and shipping it and doing the dishes and growing some of the herbs and talking to the farmers that there it's important to remember. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much for being here. It just it warms my heart because we've worked together as a business relationship. Western Daughters carries Farm True. And so it was really nice to actually get to sit down and, and really talk. Absolutely. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Yeah, we hope to do this again soon. So. Yeah, I hope the same. <laughs> Thank you, guys. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Groundwork Podcast. If what you heard today resonated with you, may I ask that you share it with your friends or leave us a review? This helps others find Groundwork. If you're looking for more, you can find us at groundworkcollective.com and at Groundwork Collective on Instagram. I would like to give a very special thank you to China and Seth Kent of the band All Right, All Right for clips from the beautiful song Over the Edge from their album, The Crucible. You can find them at All Right, All Right on Instagram and wherever you listen to music. Music.